Welcome to this episode of Buddhist Wisdom Modern Life. As always, I hope that you find it helpful, and if you'd like to go deeper into the basic teachings of Buddhism, please check out my free email course on the Four Noble Truths. You can find the registration link in the show notes. If you'd like to support this podcast and get access to live Q&A calls, free resources to download, ad-free episodes, and more, please check out the show notes for a link to my Patreon page. Or you can make a one-time donation instead and buy me a virtual cup of coffee. And you can always support for free when you share this episode on social media or with a friend who would enjoy it. Thank you for listening. May you and all beings be well. Welcome to this video on the most important beliefs in Buddhism, things that all schools of Buddhism share and that really point the way toward freedom and complete joy in this system. I originally recorded this talk as a live Insight Timer teaching, and there's a link to find me on Insight Timer below, so if you want to join future sessions, you'll get notified of them. Also, this video is part of a whole series on types of Buddhism and the different beliefs and practices and history of these different forms of the Dharma. And I also created handouts to go along with the different sessions that I did in this series. So if you want to get the handout for this session, you'll find a link for that below. And if you want to get notified of upcoming series or talks that I do on types of Buddhism, Buddhist beliefs, or the history of different forms of Buddhism, You'll also find a sign up below so you can get notified of that. And also when I post videos or other resources about that, I'll send you a notification. I hope you enjoy this video and that it brings you a little closer to waking up and finding bliss in your life. One of the most like core teachings in really all of Buddhism is the idea of samsara and nirvana. And the reason I'm even talking about this is because like, if you're at all familiar with any form of traditional Buddhism, you've heard these terms. But a lot of, you know, secular Buddhism or mindfulness instruction, um, especially in the West, is really, it doesn't necessarily take these two ideas seriously. But I think to understand traditional forms of Buddhism, you have to understand and appreciate samsara and nirvana. And the idea of samsara is that it is the cycle of birth, never quite getting our life together and then dying and then being born again and trying the whole cycle over again. The idea is we literally die and are reborn again and again and again. And like the thing that's really sad about that process or that cycle is that we are just playing the wrong game. Like we think we're finally gonna get everything lined up in our lives we're going to be happy and healthy and we're going to have plenty of money. Like we, we think it's possible to get all that stuff finally like locked in, but it's not according to Buddhism. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about why in just a second with the three characteristics of phenomena. So from a Buddhist perspective, we're all here spending all this energy trying to get all the external circumstances right. And at the end of the day, we're never going to make that work. And I think this is something really important to distinguish Buddhism from like mindfulness or other forms of spiritual practice. This is not, this is not like a positive affirmations thing where if you believe it enough, everything good is going to come to you in your life and nothing bad will happen to you. Like, nope. <laughs> Buddhism and particularly Theravadan Buddhism says, 
as long as we have not woken up to the true nature of reality, we're always going to be subject to suffering. Even if life is good now, we don't know that it's going to be good next year. I mean, you know, life in January of 2020 did not predict what life was going to look like in March of 2020, for instance. But like the really good news of the Buddhist tradition is that, okay, we're playing the wrong game. We're trying to get the externals right. We're trying to get, you know, you can even think of like trying to have good health and wealth and all this stuff as externals because we don't control our bodies. I mean, if we get sick tomorrow, we can't just decide not to be sick anymore. So we're trying to get all these external things right that we don't really control. But instead, if we would focus on recognizing what reality really is, we could wake up, we could be done with all suffering, we would finally start like playing the right game and there is an exit to samsara. This is called in Pali Nibbana. Uh, the Sanskrit is Nirvana, not just a band name anymore. So Nibbana is when you finally see directly for yourself experientially into the nature of reality and you wake up out of sort of the dream state that we usually live in. The thing is, we don't realize we're living in a dream state. Like if we all knew we were living in a dream, we'd be trying to wake up, but we're not usually. That brings me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is um, the three characteristics of phenomena. So these are the things that if we realize them, we would wake up. And that's what Buddhist meditation is all about, is waking up. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But basically the three characteristics of phenomena are first of all, impermanence. Second of all, lack of an inherently existent self. And third, what you might call unsatisfactoriness or the, the Pali word is dukkha. So first of all, we think of ourselves as kind of like stable ongoing beings. You know, in, in March of 2020, I had some teachings on the West Coast of the US planned and that did not happen. So every time we make plans, even if it's just dinner plans for tomorrow night, we just assume that the me who makes the plans is gonna be the me who shows up to do the thing that we planned. And the Buddhist tradition basically says, no, you're not. <laughs> like we're changing moment to moment. Like every time you breathe in, you're adding new, new chemicals to your body. Every time you breathe out, you're releasing old chemicals. So even at a physical level, we cannot say I am the same person from like one second to the next. We're constantly experiencing low levels of change. And every now and then we experience humongous changes like COVID or like getting in an accident of some kind or losing somebody or finding your, you know, life partner. So, so this idea of impermanence is, is, foundational to all schools of Buddhism. And the idea is that we assume we're not going to change very much, but we do. And we don't know when we're going to change. And some of those change factors are out of our control. Like I said, having an accident, losing a loved one, winning the lottery, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that can happen to us that changes our world very, very quickly, but we don't tend to realize it. So that's number one, impermanence. Number two, lack of an inherently existent self. This I think is one of the things that just trips people up about Buddhism in general. 
And, you know, it's the Theravadan tradition. I don't want to... This is something everybody agrees with, so I don't want to take all of Theravada's time talking about basic core shared beliefs, but this is really important for the Theravada tradition. So, according to the Theravada understanding of this doctrine of lack of an inherently existent self, what we really have is a body and a mind and, you know, they, they talk about the five aggregates. So there's the body and there's the four aggregates of mind. So like consciousness and volition, um, different, different aspects of our mental experience. And all those things together, we stick one label on top of it and we say, oh, that's me. And the idea behind this doctrine of, it's called anatta. Um, or in Sanskrit, it's anatman. I'll put this in the chat too. Anatta, Anatman. So the idea is we think there is a self in just a collection of experiences. We experience our body, we experience our mind, and on top of that, we stick this label, me. And the problem with that, again, is that the body is going to die or it's going to change. Um, it's going to, you know, be influenced by circumstances. Our mind, holy cow, it changes all the time. It's changing every single moment of the day. So if, if I think I am, for instance, my memories, and then I get hit on the head and I lose my memories for a couple of days, did I just disappear? Um, or, you know, this is part of what makes like dementia so painful for the person experiencing it and the people around them. You start losing your memories. Does and it really can feel sometimes as though that person is going when they no longer recognize, you know, family members or people who are important to them. So the idea that a like a stable, ongoing sense of self can really be built on top of just these parts that make us up, these mental factors, this physical factor, you know, from a Theravadan perspective, that's where we go wrong. And again... I want to connect this in a moment to meditation in the Theravadan tradition because <clears throat> this is really what we're trying to realize. You know, when we talk about mindfulness, in the Buddhist tradition, we're being aware of something very specific. We're trying to tune into the true nature of reality. So the last thing is dukkha or unsatisfactoriness, and this one really follows from the first two. If we think we're permanent but we're not, if we think there's an actual self that we can somehow satisfy with like the right conditions, but there's not, then when we try for those things, it's inevitable that we're going to fail. <laughs> and then it feels like I am screwing up. I am a loser. You know, why can I not whatever, get my life together? Um, <clears throat> and so it just, it brings us unhappiness because it's like we have a map of the world, but maybe like the map is outdated or it's not very good. So we're trying to get here and we think there's a road that's gonna take us here, but when we get on that road, we find that we're somewhere else and we don't quite know how to get back to where we were trying to go. And, and that right there, the mismatch between how we think of reality and how it really is, that is what creates dukkha or unsatisfactoriness. So it's not that like life is suffering, it's inevitable that we're all gonna suffer, so like let's just get on with suffering or something like that. I think that's how people misunderstand Buddhism sometimes, but what this aspect of reality, characteristic of phenomena, if you will, is talking about is that we just, we misunderstand things, 
And if we don't understand the way the world is, we can't navigate it properly.